You are listening to the Food Means Business Podcast, which features the personal stories and secret ingredients behind what it's like to abandon your day job to start a food business. I'm Janaba Johnson-Jones, former marketing executive turned entrepreneur and founder of food business incubator Hudson Kitchen. Join our community of fellow food business owners and subject matter experts to learn and laugh with us as we explore a startup world that's a little more culinary and a lot less corporate these days. All right, Katie, Katie, welcome. Welcome to the Food Means Business Podcast. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. So I um, would love for you to just introduce yourself and tell our listeners a little bit about you. Yeah, well, I am Katie Malazova. I live in the Milwaukee, Wisconsin area, and my business is Real Food Brands. Um, It's really rooted in my passion to help everybody get access to real food. And so by way of profession, um, you know, I happen to be in marketing and brand management. And so that's the way that I, you know, am working towards helping more people get access to real food. But my heart is really, you know, rooted in the same place that a lot of food business owners are. I'm just doing it in a different way. (laughs) That's great. So um, tell us a little bit about how you got started, your family, like all, all the things, because you are, you know, like a lot of the listeners of this podcast, started in a corporate environment and decided to take the leap into entrepreneurship. So we'd love to hear your story. Yeah, you know, it's not it's not easy. And as much as I know, you know, a lot of people listening are like me, um, you want it to happen all overnight. And I just had my 10 year anniversary of leaving the corporate world, which is very exciting. Um, But it's just funny how the things that if I would have gotten quote unquote there, right away, you know, things unfold. And I I love, you know, finding the joy in the journey, but it's just not always easy to do that at the time. So um, I started in brain management at Kraft Foods then, or Kraft Heinz and Kraft Foods and loved my time there and learned all sorts of classic marketing and strategy work. Then uh, when I got married and was moving out of the Chicago area to Milwaukee, then I started working for a health insurance company doing the same kind of work, but in the healthcare space. And as much as I loved my time in the corporate world, Um, And the health insurance company was a really great way to apply the concepts that I learned at Kraft because, as you may or may not be surprised to hear, consumer-driven healthcare was not always, you know, it's an evolving field that that the insurance companies are, you know, thinking about the the people behind the policies. So, um, but it just wasn't, you know, there, there was something missing. And around that time, my husband and I, we had two little kids and my son was sick all the time and, you know, just personally, it was really hard on both of us constantly being like, who's going to miss work today? Um, you know, and it's just super stressful. And it was an added stress on our family that we just had to figure out. And I had already had the entrepreneurial spirit. So (laughs) it was, it was a good time to say, okay, I'm going to go out on my own, my skills, um, and interests, you know, fit really well for running my own business. And so, uh, you know, it's not easy, no matter what path you're on, it's not easy. Uh, but it's, I love having, I loved and still love having the flexibility. Um, you know, you're, you're running the ship and you, if you're working all hours of the day and night, it's because you're choosing to versus somebody yeah. telling you some big project is due. So that's, that's kind of how I got um, from the corporate world to entrepreneurship. Um, and I don't think I, I don't, I never look back as much yeah. as it's, you know, I, I think the two things I miss are benefits and an IT department. <laughs> <laughs> I was, that's so funny. The thing that I miss the most is um, the color printer. Cause I worked oh, in a, mar- yeah. I, 
we would print, we would used to print the presentations, like just to have a backup of when you're presenting on a computer. And so we would have them. And uh-huh. like, I always loved having like access to a color laser printer. A wonderful it was the best. printer, yeah. And That's... then we had, a, we had an art department that was amazing. And so they would take your thing you wrote and make it into this one beautiful, wonderful thing. And so that is what I miss about corporate. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> Those are good ones. Yes. <laughs> So great. So you launched Real Food Brands 10 years ago. Congratulations on wow. that anniversary. That's really exciting. I'd Thank love you. for you to like, want to jump in and talk about, you know, you specialize in brand strategy. Let's talk about like, what is brand yeah. strategy and what do, what do food brands need to be thinking about when they're creating their strategy? Yeah, good. Um, the biggest thing I would say when it comes to brand strategy is, you know, first even saying what it is, because it's one of those things that people s- they're like, oh yeah, you know, they nod their heads and then they'll yeah. be like off to the side. What? What is it really? <laughs> and so then, um, the way I describe it is figuring out how you can meet your consumers' needs in a way that your competitors either can't or won't. And so the way that we do that is we have to look at the three C's. So we look at your company and the vision that you have uniquely, and you know your skills and uh, competitive advantages and all of those things that make you unique as a leader. Then we look at your consumers and what their needs are and, you know, who they are, what defines them, uh, how we can find them, all those good things about getting to know people as people, not just an audience or, or you know, some lump group of people. Uh, and then we look at the competitors. And a lot of people want to skip this part because they say, I just want to have blinders on. I know what I'm doing. I know who I'm serving. I don't. But every, I mean, really, almost every single time we go through this exercise, people are like, <laughs> oh, you know, either I haven't looked at it in a while and they're doing something different or there's a lot of new people that have popped up. Um, It's easy to get a little bit jealous or a feeling of anxiousness that I'm not doing what I could be or should be doing. I always say, you know, this is not a comparison game. The whole point of brand strategy is for us to put these pieces together and connect the dots so that we are setting you apart, not that we're comparing you to anybody else. But when you don't look at your competitors, it's really easy to be saying the same things as everybody else is. And that's, you know, I know you're shaking your head and I know a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people don't even realize that that's, the, that that's the spot that they're at. They're, they're talking a lot about function and features versus benefits, and both are necessary mm-hmm. to talk about. But unless you really start to tease those things out, it's hard to um, it's hard to differentiate yourself. You're you're just kind of playing a uh, you know a game that often ends up on price if you aren't truly differentiated. So it's so true. Like I actually, whenever I'm looking <clears throat> at talking to people, I'm like, I I recommend that they do a competitive analysis first. Just to mm-hmm. just so you just know what's there, like and but you I understand like there is this and I I even uh, it, I I'm at fault at this as well as like I'm you're looking at out at other people and you do get that little ping of like I hear oh, you I should be doing it that way or why didn't I do this or make this decision so it is kind of challenging but it's such important work to do it is sure. and I think it's better to know than not know right like if somebody. Yeah. If, if you get a little fire lit under you because, you know, you're seeing something that you could put your own twist on, again, never to copy somebody else, but doing things your own way or getting motivated or, or you know what, sometimes you might see things that you're like, they're on a different path than me and that's okay. And, and I think I think that's true. Like that's kind of what you end up realizing, especially as you get further along in your business. They are on a different path from you. So yes, their, their product may be similar to yours, but really it's 
they're so different. Right. <laughs> right. So, because you're different, right? <laughs> that's exactly right. And if it's if it is very similar, then that's where we can peel back the layers and say, okay, you know, digging deeper into your background and your vision and what that passion is that really drives you versus, you know, you have different life and experiences yeah. than anybody else. And so sometimes that can play a role in a way that people don't even see on the surface, whether it's overt or more subtle in the strategy. So do you tend to work with new brands or people that are more established that kind of have to go back and do the brand strategy work that they didn't do at the beginning? Either, either and both. (laughs) So sometimes it's people who, you know, from the get go, they know that they want to set a strong foundation and really um, be confident that they're setting themselves apart. I mean, it's, it's always a test and learn hypothesis kind of a thing when, you know, nothing's a guarantee, but, um, sometimes it's because people are just starting up and they want that strong foundation. And sometimes it's because they've gone to a certain, and my computer's ready. Sometimes I'll acknowledge it and move on. And, and sometimes it's because they are getting to a certain level of growth where they realize, okay, they've gotten to a certain point, but that's not going to get them to the next level. They need to really be more efficient with their time and energy and resources um, to be able to be consistent in the messaging and the visual brand. And, um, you know, I always say the front and the back end of your business should be aligned to that brand strategy. Um, and so sometimes it's, again, people are getting to that next level and they've got to get their ducks in a row before they're really poised to scale. So you talked about the inside and the outside of your business. How does creating your brand strategy, we, we know what it does on the outside. We know yeah. that it's going to attract, it's going to, you know, eventually attract a consumer to you. Um, and, it, and it has a lot more to do with just what your logo and packaging look like. But from, from an internal perspective in your company, how can brand strategy help you? Yeah. You know, one example, this isn't an example that everyone can relate to because this was a farmer I was working with, but mm-hmm. one example is, um, the way that she was choosing to use the land it was a fairly small farm, but she, the way that she decided to plant some trees and where the pasture was and the fencing and, you know, I don't know all of the ins and outs of it, but, <laughs> but on the, you know, on the operational side of her business, she had a certain way that she wanted the farm to flow because of the brand strategy and to stay true to the regenerative farming practices that she was really committing to in the brand strategy. So that is one thing. Um, ingredient sourcing or packaging sourcing. Mm. Not everyone can get to the most sustainable packaging that they want to right away, but if they tell their partners that that's what they're looking for, you know, then a a packaging supplier, if you have a personal relationship with them, could say, hey, guess what? You know, we've just got this new thing that came in. Um, And it, you know, it sounds like what you're talking about. Can can we have a call to talk through it? Um, I had a client who, you know, her co-packer ordered the wrong salt or had the wrong Uh salt there that they were going to substitute in. And I don't even know how she figured out that they were going to do that. Maybe they asked her, maybe she was there that day. I don't remember that part of the Mm -hmm. story, but it had fillers in that were not going to be okay based on her super clean ingredient positioning. And so there's these things that a consumer, you know, would they ever know that? No, but her integrity was high and she was not going to put anything in her product that wasn't listed or, you know, to her standard. So it's, it's, you know, those are some examples of on the operational side of things, um, how you can be thinking about, um, you know, anything from ingredients to suppliers to the way your team runs and, you know, your culture and your values can all align with your strategy. So how does, I'm trying to think about, I lost my question. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> all good. So um, I guess 
I guess um, walk us through. So I'm going to. I have a. I'm. I'm we'll make up a brand, right? So I sure. have. Um, Brownies, let's say, <laughs> brownies, right? And um, they are all the things. They're free of the top eight allergens. Um, they're also gluten-free. And there's other brownie companies out there that are just like what I'm trying to do. Um, how do I how do I create my brand strategy? Like how do, what am I, what are questions I need to ask myself mm-hmm. when I'm start kind of just starting out and I want to create this brand strategy to, to be able to to communicate like what, what we're all about? Um, yeah. to consumers? Yeah. You know, it's, it's a great question. So it's funny because one of the examples that I love to use is actually um, Nubian Simmons, the founder of a company mm-hmm. called The Pink Bakery, and she is mm-hmm. an allergy-free premium baking mix. And so this is, this is a real example <laughs> of, you know, great. there are a lot of other baking mixes out there that are allergy-free. So what we did was we looked at the landscape and saw what everybody was saying and what nobody was saying. And so once you start to see that everybody's saying, you know, that we want to have one snack that everybody can eat and feel inclusive and, you know, and that's a fine message. It's a great message, but it's just not necessarily differentiated on its own. You know, there's lots of elements between your packaging and your visual branding and your messaging, all these different things can differentiate you. But um, it really goes back to those three C's. So we think about who is the consumer that you want to serve and who, you know, thinking about your your company then, what is your vision? So there are some allergy-friendly baking good companies that are very kid-focused and all about, you know, fun packaging and kits for kids. And then there's other ones that are more premium and, you know, Nubians is like really high end premium focused. And so you think about your vision and what you're going for, where you want distribution, um, you know, what price points you have to hit back to that consumer. Are you really motivated, you know, in a full, you know, a family or kid setting versus more of a gourmet setting, um, what's that endpoint that you're looking for in terms of, you know, kind of picturing out in the world? What what do you want it to live on its own? What's its personality out in the world? And so those are things that we think about um, because it's really hard thinking about, you know, just taking Nubian's example, thinking about her background and her expertise and her personal food allergies. It is really hard to replicate that even though everybody has their own story. They have different professional mm-hmm. backgrounds. You know, she's got an MBA right. in supply chain management. She's going to have some ability to run a safe <laughs> production facility in a way that some people may have to, you know, go out and learn. So, so the idea here is to really, really think hard about your own personal vision and what you want for your business and your skills and your competitive advantages. Thinking about what those consumers that you want to serve. You know, if there's a niche, maybe that other allergy-friendly baking mixes aren't serving. Um, And then looking at what everybody's saying and what nobody's saying from a competitive Mm -hmm. standpoint, you could also look at different distribution channels. Like, is there, you know, somebody that's really owning the food service space? Or, you know, retail can be, as you know, a a, a tricky (laughs) path. It's, you know, it's certainly an option, but um, maybe there's a different path to market that could be um, you know, that could help drive your whole strategy. Okay, cool. 
So um, talk about a little about the programs that you have um, at Real Food Brands and how you work with founders. Yeah, the, the primary way is, well, there's a couple different ways. So my, my program is called Brand Strategy Streamlined. And so there's an on-demand program that um, people can get access to the content that I work with people one-on-one, but you can go through it at your own pace. So there's a 30-page workbook and modules that are sort of short so that you can either do one at a time or you can sit down and do them all if you'd like to. Um, But you can go through that work on your own. But then we do have monthly Q&A calls and we have um, a small group community within the program portal where people can ask me questions. Because even though it's meant to be primarily self-paced, I... I just really care about people's success and I, I want contact with them just like they want contact with their people who are buying their products. You know, I, I want to make sure that I'm there for people to help guide them in the right direction. And then we can set up one-on-ones if they want to get more in depth. But um, I have, I have it sort of modular like that where you can add one-on-ones on if you want to, to make the price as affordable as possible for people who are at different stages, like we mentioned earlier. So you can get the on-demand program. You can add on one-on-ones if you want. Um, you can just schedule one-on-ones, uh, you know, like a single strategy session with me. Or I do offer a limited amount of one-on-one work where I'm helping lead the strategy work. You know, we're going through my program, but we're doing it together. And I'm taking the lead on doing mm-hmm. some of the research and recommendations and things like that. So I'm not able to do as much of that as I used to, but I still do enjoy doing that from time to time when, when there's a need. I have to imagine that's a popular option just because as a founder, like you just want to talk to somebody. Yeah, all the time. it is. Well, it is. And that's, I, I actually love doing the work. There's just, you know, only so many hours each workday to be able to do that option. But that is why I've added on the one-on-one option to the program as well. So that, you know, sometimes people will buy a package of three or five one-on-ones to add on to mm-hmm. the program so that they're working through it at their own pace. Because, you know, I don't know if you do this. I know I do. Sometimes you work at funny hours and, you know, it might yes. not be when <laughs> it might not be when there's a group here. I better start that over my, uh, uh, uh. Uh, it might not be when there's okay. a group, there might not be when there's a group program available. And so, um, but then we could schedule calls to work through it together. You know, I'll, I'll push on ideas a little bit to figure mm. out um, how to get them to that next layer of thinking. So it's possible through the on-demand program by adding on one-on-ones, but you're right. Um, certain people do really appreciate the the one-on-one work where we're going through it more consistently together. Yeah. Yeah. So when I was um, doing a little bit of research on you, I noticed that you actually have a, a life and you um, I saw you have a family and you actually like do things outside of work and you have a nonprofit. So can you just talk a little about what you do personally? Because I think it's really interesting. Oh, God. well, thank you. I, I do. Um, I do try. I'm, I'm working on it. So it's a work in progress. But um, yes, Sunbeam Kids is another passion of mine. Uh, volunteering and community service has always mm-hmm. been really important to me. And um, when I had kids, you know, this was all around the time when things were moving with the my corporate world, too. I had just left the corporate world and just started consulting. And um, I really wanted to be active volunteering. But I didn't want to actually this this was, I guess, I, it started brewing before I left the my, my job because I didn't have a lot of time to volunteer. And when I got home, I didn't want to be leaving my kids again because I didn't see them that much. And so it just felt like 
that combined with the fact that I wanted to be raising good little loving human beings, that um, I wanted them to have a view of the world, even an age appropriate view of the world, just that the world went beyond our, you know, suburb of Milwaukee. So um, I heard other parents saying the same thing. And I happened to be on a retreat where it hit me like a ton of bricks where I'm like, okay, this is this is me. Like, this isn't happening. You need to do it. Enough talking. Let's make it happen. So I got a few friends together, an attorney and a teacher, and we started the board. And um, 10 years later, we are almost 10 years later, we are going strong. The board has changed over mm-hmm. over the years, but we plan about three to four different projects a month to make it easy for families to volunteer together. And really the goal, you know, serving the community, of course, but then also we want our kids of all ages to really know that, you know, have confidence that they can make a difference in their actions, whether big or small, really do matter. That's so great because my kids were small. I was like, I think they're too little to take them somewhere. And like we didn't end up doing anything with them until they were much older. And so it's really great that you've created an environment where just families can can all participate and, and make a difference. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah, good. Well, thank you. It has it has been a labor of love, I'll be honest. You know, just like running any business or a nonprofit, it's yeah. it's a lot of work, but then you sit back and you hear the stories about kids who will reference their favorite thing at school as Sunbeam Kids or, you know, or they'll give an example of that being a Sunbeam thing, kids thing to do. You know, it's just, you're like, okay, this is, this is working. (laughs) So yeah, good. I'm glad to hear that you volunteer with your family too. That's good. So since you've been in business for 10 years, I'm sure you have had a lot of learning. So give us a piece of advice that you would give to an entrepreneur. That is funny. That's (laughs) so many things. Um, So many things. Because Instagram does not show the the whole story, right? And that more it doesn't. No. More more people are you know giving a behind the scenes view. I think also, but I think my my biggest piece of advice, and this is to myself too, but I really have been working on it the last, let's say six months. And it has made a huge difference of back to that point of where we started of finding joy in the journey and, you know, having a goal in mind and you can be just as driven, but being open to what happens along the way, not just, you know, it's this, it's this interesting thing because on one hand being laser focused is so important. And on the other hand, being open to what happens and who you meet and who can help you along the way uh, sometimes takes you places that you never could have imagined. So, uh, you know, on your own. So I I think that openness, that being driven, but that openness to those you meet along the way and picking up the breadcrumbs um, is, is really important. Thank you. So um, also, I'd love to hear what you're celebrating um, at Hudson Kitchen. We have what we call the money bell. It's in the foyer and it's big and silver and loud and people ring it when they are, you know, take on a new retail partner or they get their paycheck or whatever happens. Yeah. And so um, we are all about trying to celebrate there and wanted to to hear about what you're celebrating now. It could be personal or business, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's going to be a lot. You can tell what's in my mind because it's along those themes, actually, of yeah. I've been really focused on um, time blocking my calendar more. Okay. So I know it sounds like kind of a funny win, but it really does impact my personal and business life so much when my calendar is organized. And so I've been really making sure that when I am done with work, I am closing my computer and I am focusing on my family. Um, in the latest episode of my podcast, I referenced the phrase that really struck me of giving your family the best of you, not the rest of you. 
And <laughs> when I heard that, I was like, a little guilty here. So yes. So yes. I really like as much as I laugh about it, that is right now the phase that my kids are in as they get a little bit older and they I don't have a ton of time left when they live under our roof full time, most likely. So like I've got some work to do there also. And I need to I really owe it to them and our family to love my work just as much as I do. But then also, um, you know, give them the best of me and, and make sure that I'm focused on them as well. Yeah, that calendaring is really important. It's something I'm, I am like, I've been working on for the past year. I've sort of kind of gotten the hang of it, <laughs> but not really. But yeah, you're right. It's because for me, it's like, I'll have everything blocked out. And then like some email will come in and I'm like, well, should I focus on that? Or should I focus on this? And it's like, no, if that's not, you know, that fire needs to be put out, let's go ahead and keep on going, doing what we were doing before. And that can wait. Yes. And that's the biggest thing is like, just kind of making those decisions on a day-to-day basis. That's exactly so. it. It's sort of like so. how brand strategy and all those little decisions add, add up to yes. delivering on your strategy. All of our little <laughs> decisions add up to our goals. So I know that's not a very, you know, cool sounding win, but it actually is making a really big impact on me. So I, I think Good. it's a win. No. <laughs> It's very cool. It's very cool. Well, I wanted to thank you, Katie, for being on the Food Means Business Podcast. Please tell everyone where they can find you and how they can work sure, with absolutely. you. Sure, absolutely. So my Instagram is at Real Food Brands, and website is also realfoodbrands.com. So um, both of those places you can you can find out more about the programs that I mentioned and all the past podcast episodes as well. And I will look forward to having you on the podcast as well. Oh. Yay. Looking forward to it. Thank you so much. Good. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. The Food Means Business podcast is produced by Hudson Kitchen. It's recorded and edited at the studio at Kearney Point. Our theme song is by Damian DeSandes, and I'm your host, Janaba Johnson-Jones. Find out more about Hudson Kitchen by visiting thehudsonkitchen.com or follow us on Instagram at thehudsonkitchen. Listen, follow, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time.